the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The one who is promised is faithful. And he knows your needs. He knows the needs in your marriage. He knows the needs in your singleness. He knows your needs, and this is his promise. He promises to supply your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Can you believe this? Now, let me just tell you, say thank you, Jesus, that we're not living in this exact biblical time frame because there was a little truth to this. This was kind of a half-truth because um, she was kind of his (laughs) half-sister. They had the same father but different mothers. But nevertheless, that's not what he was talking about here. He was being deceptive and dishonest. Why? Why? Because he was afraid and self-serving. And it created a problem. I want you to understand something. And really, this is a life lesson. Faith and fear are enemies. And when one grows, the other will always diminish. You can't exercise faith while living in fear. And and by the way, that's not the topic of, of today's message really, but there's a lot of people in our world that right now are controlled and gripped by fear. Whether it's fear of a virus or or fear of other people that look different from them or or fear of what's going to happen financially. And rather than walking in faith as followers of Christ, there are many who bear his name that, that when we look at you, we don't see little Christ. We see lots of fear. And, and the two don't, they don't commingle well. And they didn't for Abraham and Sarah. And so this became very messy. Fear always gets in the way of faith. You'll never build a strong and a healthy relationship in fear. And so just think of the way that fear gets into our relationship. Maybe it's you have a fear of angering the other person. Like so you're walking on eggshells and and you live in fear because you're afraid you're going to make them angry and, and upset them. And man, is that a fun place to be? Say it together. No! Or what about this? You fear the appearance. And so you're afraid of, of what somebody else is going to think based on how you act. If I'm my real self or if I say what I think or, or if I, I live out the way I, I feel like I'm supposed to live, it's not going to go well. And is that a way to live? No. And then maybe there's just this fear of abandonment. Maybe you have been abandoned. 
like many of the people growing up, perhaps you grew up in a home where your parents divorced or separated and you felt abandoned. And because of that, every relationship that you encounter is seen through that lens of that fear of abandonment. But I'm just telling you, that is not a good way to live. So so what I want to encourage you to do before we continue looking at this story is find ways in your life and in your relationships to to displace fear and build faith. So so what are you doing to build faith and displace fear? In a marriage relationship, that building of faith is trust, right? And hopefully, the longer you're married, the more you trust one another. If that's not the case, then, man, you've got to build that faith back. You've got to build that trust because what that's telling me is that fear has crept in. And when fear creeps in, you do very dumb things. How'd this work out for Abraham and Sarah? Well, they went. Sarah did as she was told. She submitted to her husband. And so the king says, hey, I want that woman. And then he finds out that's Abraham's wife. And he's like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Why would you trick me? And he pushes them away because it always messes things up when you're guided by fear, not by faith. I want to just give you something practical to help you build some trust for those of you that are married. And this is not new to me or not new to you from me, but three things that need to be a part of of your regular life as a married couple. Number one, you've got to dialogue daily. You've got to have a family meeting on a, a daily basis, just checking in to see how you're doing. And you got to listen to one another. And I would just say to you, if you're not talking with one another, it's going to be hard to build that trust and, and fuel faith in that relationship. And then you need to date weekly. And here's some good news. It's, it's Valentine's weekend. So you have an opportunity to really maximize this. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to date, but find some time to pull away where it's just the two of you. And this gets so hard when we have children, doesn't it? But you know what happens? We don't do it when we have children. And then the children do what they're supposed to do. They grow up and they leave. We've not spent time talking regularly. We've not spent time doing things together regularly. And we're like two strangers that don't seem compatible anymore. You dialogue daily, you date weekly, and then you depart annually. And I realize this is a little harder, but early in our marriage, Kimberly and I, we learned this kind of the difficult way. We went through some challenges and we realized that though life is busy and parenting is hard and there's so many things we could do and need to do and there's never enough money, we recognize that we have to prioritize our time together. And so whether it's a few days or whether it's a week, we make sure we have some time where we can, we can get alone. And, and I'm not thinking about church and my job, and she's not thinking about her job or what our children need in that moment. And it allows us to build trust. So the practical application for you, what are you doing to build trust, faith, and displace fear 
in your relationship. But fear wasn't the only thing, the only problem for uh, Abraham and Sarah. Flesh was also a problem. Now, when you're in church and we talk about flesh, we're really not talking about skin, right? When we talk about spiritual gifts, we said all of us have spiritual gifts and they look a certain way when we're walking in the spirit. They look another way when we're walking in the flesh. That's just a way of saying that we're walking according to our will, not God's will. We're not being guided by the Holy Spirit of God. So how did the flesh get into this relationship? This is really important because this is where a lot of us struggle. Notice what happens in Genesis 16. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Well, there's no way this could go south, is there? Do I need to explain that to you? Sarah. The wife of Abraham in the Bible said, I can't have a child for you. So, hey, here's my maid over here. Why don't you go have sex with her and maybe y'all will have a baby? Jerry Springer. What happens? Surprise, Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I mean, are you following along? Sarah has this cockamamie plan. Abraham says, okay, honey. He follows through on the plan. And then guess what? Sarah gets mad. Why? Because you're always going to mess up when you take things into your own hands. When you do things your way instead of God's way, there will always be consequences. I'm going to say that again because you need to get it. When you do things your way instead of God's way, there will always be consequences. We get in trouble when we decide that God needs our help. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Seems absurd. Can I just be frank with you and tell you how this is happening today? Number one, cohabitation. So again, we said we live up under authority, the authority of Scripture. And yet, 
we live in a society where most people in any, even many who gather in settings like this begin to live together and experience the benefits of marriage together before they're married. And so we're taking things into our own hand, like a professional person that I came across with a couple of years ago and we were just talking about this and, and I, I was telling them what I believed in the biblical pattern for this. And they said, but how, how do you know that you'd want to be with that person if you've never been together with them sexually? And so it's this idea that my way is better than God's way. And, and so I'm going to take things into my own hand. And this week, this week, a secular newspaper they came out and, and reported a study that said, Relationships that begin in cohabitation are more likely to end than those that begin in the commitment of marriage. Why? Because when we do things our way instead of God's way, there's always consequences. I'll give you another example. I, I, I've told you before, you know, man, we want to be a, a, we're not a museum for the saints. We want to be a hospital for sinners. So I know this is hard to do, but I want you to be encouraged. For example, maybe you're living together right now. Uh, I, I want you to know this is a place of grace that's pointing you to the truth. So you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna catch us off guard. So we've had folks through the years come to us who are living the swinging lifestyle. You know what the swinging lifestyle is? It, it's the idea that um, this husband and wife are, are not getting their physical needs met in one another so they're going to bring others into the relationship so this husband may be in a relationship with someone else's wife and his wife may be in a relationship with someone else's husband and they're open about it and and the reasoning that would be expressed for that is because we we just we just want to have those needs met our way you think that ever you think that ever works out okay and of course it doesn't. In the, in the same way that this situation with Abraham and Sarah did not work out. It's not God's design. Let me, let me bring it back in, make it a little more normalized. I hate that this is normalized. But another example is, is pornography within a marriage. Where a, a couple would say, hey, we're going we're gonna to watch this pornography together to help stimulate those emotions and those feelings for us. You think that's helpful? And let me just stop and say, um, some of you have never heard talk like this in church. But but the reality is this is the world we live in. If we if we can't address it here, where in the world would we address it? The playground in third grade, because that's when your kids are learning it. The locker room in seventh grade? No, this is the place. I, I just want to encourage you. Make a commitment today to do things God's way. So here's the picture. These two were given a promise, but so far their lives are full of problems. What changed? What, what brought the change about? Genesis 18. Then they said to him, who is they? Well, this group of people came to meet with Abraham. And a lot of us believe that one of these was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. 
because he refers to him as the Lord. But if not, these were angelic beings. And they said, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She's in, she is in the tent. And the Lord said, I'll surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years. Can I just make that a little more descriptive? Sarah was 90. Abraham was 99. And even in their day, you know what that was considered? Old. Do you know how I know that? Because the Bible says they were old. The way of women had had ceased to be with Sarah. So can I explain that in modern English? It's saying even if she had not been barren, Sarah was not interested in what it took to make a baby. This was no longer part of her plan, her routine. So what does she do? Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year. And Sarah will have a son. Get the picture? They had problems, but they had a promise. They had problems, but they had a pro- They had problems, but they had a promise. And, and somewhere along the way, they made the decision to believe that the promise was bigger than the problems. That's what you've got to do. Some of you are going through your life, and and I get it. I understand because some of you come in and talk to us. You've got really big problems. But I've got good news. I've got a much bigger God. And my God and his promises are bigger than your problems. Every time he's big enough to see you through. God gives them this promise five times between Genesis 12 and Genesis 21. But the problems keep showing up. What were the problems? Sarah said, I'm barren and I'm old. And some of you have the same problems in your relationships. Your relationship has become barren. And I'm not talking about your ability to have children. It's become dry, right? It's not producing what it should produce. And some of you, regardless of your age, the relationship has become old. Because here's what you're thinking. It's too far gone. And you've done one of two things. You've either checked out or you've settled for the ordinary when God wants to give you extraordinary. See, that's, that's what God does. He takes our messes and he produces his miracles. He takes our problems and he shows us his promises. And that's where I want to get you today is looking back at the promises of God. Why do we make promises? 
And when I marry a couple, they stand before me and, and they'll say this, I promise to love and to honor, to comfort and cherish, in sickness and in health, in poverty and wealth, forsaking all others, keeping only to you, as long as we both shall live. Why? We don't make promises for the good times. We make promises for the bad times. We make the promises when we have to become a caregiver. We make the promises when we don't feel like we've been loved back. We make the promises because we're being faithful to him. So for some of you today, I just want you to re-up that promise. I, I want you to mirror or reflect that faithfulness of God's promises to you. Because that's what we're to be in our relationships with other people. So that's got kind of deep. Let me make it really practical real quick, okay? Um, This is how you have the best marriage possible. B-E-S-T. Number one, determine today to bless your spouse. Make the decision that nobody's going to bless your spouse more than you. You're going to pray over them. You're going to speak Jesus over them. Uh, You're going to give them things that make them feel blessed. You're going to let them know how blessed you are to be with them. Bless your spouse. Number two, encourage your spouse. You know what that word encourage means? It, It means to put courage in. Your your spouse should be the one that you're pouring courage into. You shouldn't be discouraging one another. You should be building one another up. And one of the ways you do that is submit to your spouse. There's an interesting passage in Peter about Abraham and Sarah. And it refers to the fact that Sarah submitted to Abraham. And and part of what it's saying is that God brought them through this journey where Sarah said yes when she probably should have said no. And Abraham said yes when he probably should have said no. But because they came alongside each other and supported one another, God brought them through. In Ephesians, it says, submit one another unto the Lord. Voluntarily come alongside and put, your, put their interest above yours. Finally, treasure your spouse. Treasure your spouse. That's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians when he's talking about marriage and he says to cherish them. Make them feel like they are that holy vessel that God has given to you. Some of you need to go through this list and kind of begin that again and anew today. Reflect on God's promises and live those out in your marriage. Well, this story continues and it appears that Abraham and Sarah learned the lesson. Because God did give them the son, right? You remember how he gave them the son and then something crazy happens. God... God tells Abraham to go sacrifice his son. Are you tracking with me? You know, some of you have heard that story, but you didn't know this back Jerry Springer part of the story, right? So can you imagine? I mean, if that would have been us, if we would have been Sarah, we'd have been like, are you kidding me, God? After 91 years, 
you give me a child and now you're taking him? And the tendency would be to, to play God again, to take it back into our own hands. Or can you imagine Abraham? I'm 100 years old now. And you gave me a son and, and now you want me to give the son back? God, I'm afraid. But we don't find that in Scripture. All we see that Abraham, obviously with Sarah's knowledge, is taking his son to the altar. And as Abraham puts his living sacrifice on the altar, his son turns to him and says, Daddy, um, where is the animal, the sacrifice? And Abraham, who had been guided by fear, and Sarah, who had been guided by the flesh, they were able to look to their son and say, the Lord will provide the lamb. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.